Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Megan. Are we going somewhere today? Well, I wish, but we're going to talk about it. I'm really excited about this one because, you know, you and I have covered family travel quite a lot on this show, especially, you know, right now we're doing a lot of travel content. Um, But over the years, we've spent a little less time talking about the way we prefer to travel on our own and even less time than that talking about like literally how we get places. We've talked a lot about, you know, we did some fantasizing about like our dream vacations and things like that. But over the years, I feel like things like our personalities in an airport and things like that have come up, but we haven't really delved into that too much. I love it. And I think there's so, it's so revealing to hear the way people like to travel. And we are framing this mostly around solo travel today, which by the way, if you are a mom and you haven't been somewhere by yourself in like a hundred years, we have also been there, but we've done a fair amount of solo travel. And I think when you're, when you are navigating an airport on your own, it is like, it is a, like a, deep dive into personality quirks, I think. It is. And we're going to be talking a lot about flying today because I think that's where like, it's like that microcosm where you're making all these decisions outside of your usual bubble. Yeah. Um, and you're like in this new environment. I do have to ask Sarah, and um, I didn't tell you that we were going to talk about this, but it just popped into my head. Can you remember the first solo trip of any, I don't know, of any significance that you took after becoming a mom? Ooh, after becoming a mom. Um, I can tell you about mine while you're thinking. Yeah. So I very clearly remember it was, um, William was a baby. I was pregnant with Owen. So I really had never gone anywhere until I was pregnant with my fourth baby of any significance on my own. Like maybe gone to my sister's house for the night or something like that. But even then I almost always had the kids with me and I got on a train. So not on a plane, but a lot of similarities to like, you know, getting your stuff packed and dealing with like boarding and all that. Um, and I took a train from the middle of Michigan to Chicago 
for a writer's conference and like stayed in a hotel. And it was, it was pretty life changing, honestly. <laughs> I was like, wait, this world has been out here this whole time that yeah. I've been, you know, in my house with kids. Um, but that was really the first significant travel. I think I even did like as a professional woman, like a, like a solo professional woman yeah. with or without kids. So it was, it was pretty life changing in a lot of ways. Um, but I do remember that was when I started to kind of like, I don't know, create some preferences around things like how I liked to get places, like when yeah. I'm not in my car driving, when I'm being escorted somewhere in some other kind of, you know, um, in some kind of transportation, how that looks for me. So that was pretty cool. It is. It's completely like shifting because I, as you're talking, I'm thinking what we did a lot of for many years was every once in a while, we, the two of us would go somewhere without kids and we'd have a couple yeah. nights to go to a wedding or something like that. So I can think of a handful of those when we had really, you know, small kids, or I, if I went somewhere alone, I would often bring the baby. So I'd bring whoever yep. was littlest. So then as yep. you were talking, I was like, maybe I'm forgetting something, but the first thing that comes to my mind is the very first mom 2.0 conference I went to with you and Violet, my third kid was 14 months. And I remember, cause I even still brought a breast pump. I mean, she wasn't nursing that much, but she was still nursing. And I cannot remember a truly solo trip. I can remember going with Brian a few times, like here and there, or bringing a baby and leaving everyone else at home. But that's for sure not the same thing. <laughs> like bringing a baby yeah. and traveling by yourself is not the same thing as being by no, yourself. No, not in at an all. Airport. Not at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, um, after. I'm just thinking about this, like after having kids. So if I was pregnant with Owen and pretty pregnant, I remember being rather big. Uh, Will would have been, you know, a toddler. So about the same age as Violet, I think, was at that mom 2.0. And if there were any trips that John and I took together without kids before that, I'm going to guess they were road trips. I don't remember he yeah. and I getting on a plane together during that time. And sometimes like when you're traveling with a partner, you just kind of I don't know. There's things you don't pay attention to. Yeah. Um, and it's really not about the gender role thing. It's more like you just, you're like rely on them to pick up, like to make some decisions or to like pick up the slack with certain yeah. things. And you pick up the slack with the other things like do having everything within your control, but also your responsibility is a very different experience. It's a solo travel is completely, I would argue completely different than like a spouse or a girlfriend getaway. Yeah. Um, it's, yep. it's just a completely different animal. So I'm excited to yeah. talk about it. Well, one thing we should touch on before we jump in, because I just have like a whole list of like quick questions that we'll go through today um, that I think will be really fun. But let's talk about our hometown airports or like, I guess the airports, sorry, the airports were most likely to be flying out of because that really affects so many of these decisions. Um, I'll go first. I live, you know, like we've talked about in a small town, in a small town type of area. So I have two options that I use one of the, I use one or the other of these 99% of the time. And that is Midway in Chicago, which is still a smaller airport. It's not nearly as big as O'Hare. I try to avoid O'Hare unless I, unless I have to fly out of O'Hare for some reason, but it's hardly ever that I do. And then, um, South Bend International Airport, which is a really small I like airport. Through international. I did have to throw that in because they make a big deal about calling it South Bend International Airport. I'm not exactly sure how it's international because Maybe Mexico. Like, I'm just thinking, are there any direct flights? It's got to be Canada. There's no way they're flying oh, jets Canada. from. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I yeah. And then I and then it kind of took me down a rabbit hole. Like, can they call themselves international if they have connecting flights to a different nation or does it have to be direct? I, I don't think, know the answer to yeah, that. Yeah, because you have to have like customs and like you have to like 
Like my, I, I will get to my little airport, but it is not international. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mine is. So anyway, little, international. Like, yes, South Bend International Airport, a little point of pride for me. Um, but it's teeny. There's like maybe three gates or maybe more than that. There might be four or five gates, but it's like all in one room. So you can be anywhere in this terminal and see every yeah. gate. Um, you might have to run really fast, like a long way to get to the gate, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But um, anyway, so for me, it's it's more likely I'm flying out of Midway because I'm pretty Southwest loyal. And if I can get a direct Southwest flight, I'll go to Midway for that. But some but you and I have, you know, started to see the benefits of flying out of those smaller closer. airports, even yeah. yeah, the closer, smaller ones, even if it means sometimes a layover. So um, it's becoming more like I would say it's still like 70, 30, but South Bend has won out for sure. Okay. South Bend International has won out several times recently. And then so what about you? Give me the number of minutes from pulling out of your driveway to walking into the terminal. And I'm going to include things like parking your car and stuff. Cause as we know, the bigger airports offer conveniences, but they're also, they tend to be farther and yep. more of a hassle. So like you're backing out of your driveway to your walking into the terminal. How long for those two airports? Or how long so, to get there? Um, if I was like backing out of my driveway, I would be at the South Bend airport parking lot within about 40 minutes, okay. maybe a little less from where I live now. In fact, from where I live now, I think probably 35, 30, 35. Okay. And then I would be inside the airport building within five minutes. Okay. There's just a big parking lot. And, you know, if you park relatively close and walk fast, you're in fast. And then I'd be through security in about three minutes. Yeah. So it's like so, so fast. Even midway with as, as relatively close it is, as it is where I live now, it's about an hour and 40 minute drive. Yeah. Um, but then you got to deal with the, you know, parking, which depending on where you park can take not no time at all or a, a bit. Um, and then security is still fine at Midway. It's not terrible, but it's going to be 15, 20 minutes to get through. So yeah, like it, it adds up. And then with Midway too, it just costs more money to park. Yeah. I want to say parking at South Bend is $8 a night. Nice. So that's like nothing. Yeah. So yeah, but, but you're going to have a layover right. and sometimes you're going to have two and you know, then the flights are limited. So there's, there's benefits and, and yeah, drawbacks. For sure. How about you? How about you? So. Well, I moved back to my hometown of Santa Barbara in summer of 2020. Um, there hasn't been a lot of travel since moving back, but there has been a little bit. Um, and I also I grew up here, so I have the experience of flying out of Santa Barbara. It is a also a very small airport. They did a remodel in the years that I didn't live here. And so it's quite lovely now. It's pretty to look at. It's still, I think, six gates. Um, and there's just not a lot. They They keep adding things. Like they added Southwest and they added... Um, non-stops to Chicago, but then they took them away. It was like seasonal. So it's, it's, yeah. it's very much a regional airport. You're going to go up and down the West coast. You can go to San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Salt Lake, Vegas, Phoenix, like Western regional destinations. I think the farthest you can go East is Dallas on like once a day. And we've joked about doing a meetup in Dallas because you can fly there from South Bend and I can fly there from Santa Barbara. And that's like the only place we can yep. both get. Um, but the good news is it is 20 minutes from my house. Like you said, the parking is easy. You own, security is two seconds. So it has all those benefits of a very small regional airport. And especially for me on the coming home end, I just love like walking out, getting in my car, going and knowing I have 20 minutes to my house. So that's huge. And then if I ever wanted to, LAX is about 
90 miles. If you if you can time it without traffic, it would be an hour and a half, but you'd have to time it without traffic. And there's nothing worse to me than LAX in terms of the parking and the security lines. I, they've got to figure it out and maybe someday they will, but it is not an easy airport to check into. If you have a layover there or if you're coming in there, it's not quite as bad, but to leave from LAX and have to park a car I would avoid at all costs. I'd much rather have a layover and leave out of Santa Barbara. So that's my current yeah. situation. I've also lived in Phoenix, which is a great, uh, that's a great airport to have nearby. And when I lived in Orange County, I loved John Wayne. John Wayne was a great size airport and it went a lot of places and it was only 20 minutes from my house. So I think your hometown airport makes a huge difference in how you plan travel and how you feel about airport stuff, which we're going to talk about. So. Well, I just wanted to update you that I just looked at the South Bend International Airport's <laughs> FAQs. They're literally one of their FAQs is what makes South Bend a quote international airport? And the answer is their private flights. Oh, you can't actually board a flight to Mexico or Canada from here. Um, you, you could take your private jet though. That's so So. interesting. Well, then maybe Santa Barbara is international. I'm a hundred percent sure there are people on their private jets going to Cabo and stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, well, Maybe you should start referring to it by its proper name, give it its credentials. I think it's literally Santa Barbara Municipal Airport or something. It's very unromantic. (laughs) Santa Barbara's old hometown airport. It looks like a bus. It used to look like a bus stop. It now looks nicer. Um, And also, side note, when we have planned travel, the fact that both of our airports are SB and when we're going back and forth quickly and like sending texts or sending itineraries, it. Once I moved back here, I was like, oh, this is going to be confusing. Who's flying out of SB into yes. SB? It's kind of funny. Yes. SB. And I think you're SB. I'm a. SB. You're SBA and I'm SBN, I think, yeah. is the yeah. difference. Yep. Yeah. Well. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. 
Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, Sarah. So before we start with my long list of questions, um, let's talk a little bit about why we're most likely to fly by ourselves and not, you know, with a partner or kids. Um, would that be personal or work related for you? Cause I think that does change the answers sometimes. Yes. Um, a little bit of both in the years, you know, before the pandemic, but right. after like weaning my last kid, like if you look at that period of time, which was like a five year period where I, I did a fair amount of solo travel, I would say two thirds work. And one third, um, often like going to see a friend's new baby or going on mm. a girl's trip or going to see my sister having a new baby, um, a specific, not like a, like a vacation-y thing, but more like I'm going to go visit someone for a specific reason. Um, you know, I was the first among many friends to have, to get married and have kids. So in my early mothering years, a lot of my friends were still getting engaged, getting married, having a first baby. And so as I came out of the trenches, I was able to do things like you know, go to someone's baby shower or go visit them when they had a new baby. So I'm going to say two thirds yeah. work and one third, like going to visit someone for a very specific reason. Not so much like, like a true vacation, but like a friend visit. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think for me, I just have less far flung friends. And I, I think there's something to the fact that you, the college that you went to yeah. was like such a draw from people for people all over the country. And yeah. And that then was I moved so a much. Lot too. And then you moved. Yeah. Right. So I think for me, like people, those trips tend to be road trips for me. Right. Um, the like going to visit a baby or go to a wedding or something like that. Um, so for me, it's probably 80% business or like business in the front, you know, party in the back, whatever, like, right. like business with a little pleasure mixed <laughs> in if I'm flying solo. And yeah. there's some exceptions to that. And like, when I come to visit you, you know, what's that? Is that it's business, but it's fun. Right. And, you know, so there, there's more than that that I'm probably even remembering, but, but it mostly work is at least a part of it. And yeah. I think that does, it, it changes your mindset around flying and it changes sometimes the choices that you have to make because you're not just picking a destination and going wherever you feel like for fun, right? right. You, you are stuck with the destination that you have to go to and you have right. to get there in the way that makes sense. All right. So let's dive into the first question. Um, and this one is, do you prefer, like, what time of day do you prefer to fly? Would that be like early morning or later? And I'm just going to go first on this one because I think people might be surprised by this answer that I am beginning to prefer really or early morning flights, which for me seems very out of character mm -hmm. because I'm not a super early morning person. But what I think I've realized is that even though I'm not a super early morning person, I'm even less of a like able to get off a plane and then drive yeah. person late at night like that. Now I just can't handle it. If I've been sitting on a plane for two or three hours, 
and I get home and it's after dark and you get that sleep, that plane sleepy yeah. when you like are on a plane after dark and then wait for your bags and then go out to your car and then try to drive two hours home. Um, I'm a danger. I'm a menace to society. So <laughs> I'm really trying to shift that, which has been interesting, I guess. Yeah. Well, I will refer back to distance to airport from house because yeah. it makes a huge difference. Now that I'm 20 minutes from my little hometown airport, I don't mind. There's a lot of six o'clock, like six to seven a.m. flights out of Santa Barbara, or there's like a whole spate of them that you can choose from. And often the next one isn't till like one thirty or three. It's just it just doesn't have a lot of flights. So um, I am fine with a first thing in the morning flight if I'm by myself and if I'm going out of my hometown airport. And same thing, I'm okay getting in a little bit late. It's all about if there is a whole nother leg at the other end mm -hmm. um, or uh, like setting your alarm for three hours earlier because you have yeah. to drive in, that is a game changer. So I guess I don't mind the first thing in the morning flight as long as it's not a super long distance to the airport. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, for me too, like um, that drive time then means that if I had a super early in the morning flight, I could be getting up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, but I'm actually pretty good at that. Like for me, it's actually easier to get up and get moving if I've just gotten like four hours of sleep and it's 3 a.m., but I knew that I had to do that, then it would be sometimes to get up at like six. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's because I'm naturally kind of wake up in the middle of the night anyway or what, but um, it's like the novelty of it. Yeah, I was I just going to say, it fun. it's like, yeah. you're, you're like, I can do this. Remember when I made you take me home from a bar because I was getting so anxious because I had to get up in like four hours. Do you remember yes, that? We were I out do after remember your that. show, I think, yep. after Chicago. Was that yep. time I visited yeah. you? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, I was like, I can't be out till 1 a.m. I have to get up at 4.15. And you nicely yeah. took me home. <laughs> yes. And then I went back out. <laughs> but I understood because I didn't have to be up or anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm actually, when I travel with my kids um, in a few weeks, we are actually getting on a really early morning flight because the tickets were so cheap. And I guess that's the other thing. Sometimes yeah. Yeah. if you're willing to do those really early flights or the really late flights, they're very cheap, but I just can't land at 1 a.m. Like that's not going to work for me ever anymore. Um, but I could, I can get my family. I'll just make them sleep in their clothes yeah, and have everything packed and by the back door or in the car. And we will just, they'll all just stumble into the car and we'll get in. And yeah, if it was just me, it would be a very easy choice. But even with the three hangers on, it was still a pretty easy choice because the tickets were just yeah. that much better. We're flying to the West coast and that means I'll be there yeah. like, and it won't be you know, it'll just we'll have a whole day to start. Yeah. So, so how are the same vein? How early, like how much before your flight do you want to get to the airport? So I like to work backwards from this question. And like, I think of once I'm through security, how much time do I want to have from being through security until I have to get on the plane? Um, because like we've talked about parking security, those things are almost like a, a whole separate part of the journey. I think my sweet spot is around 45 minutes between now I'm through security. I've done everything I have to do. Now I have 45 minutes until they're going to call my group number. 45 allows for like a quick bite, a little, a little yeah. snack shop thing, like, or just sitting at the gate and waiting. I think that's about right. So usually for most airports, like for my hometown airport, then I just have to get to the airport an hour early because it's less than 15 minutes to park, go in, go through security, et cetera. But if I was going to a bigger airport, if I was going to LAX, I'd work backwards. I'd want to get to the airport, you know, an hour and a half, probably early, and then yeah. allow for that like unknown of security. I've, I, even though I'm a, you know, I like to, I'm punctual and I can run anxious. I've never been a like, I need to get there three hours ahead. I think I've just flown a lot and I've seen all that can happen. And I've never, like, I've never had something happen that takes up two hours of completely 
unexpected delay. Right. And of course it could, but I have a track record of like not missing flights. So I'm like, eh, it'll be fine. Yeah. And I think too, that like you're efficient with your time. So yeah. for you, it'd probably be annoying to you to get there too early yeah. and then just have time to kill or waste. Um, it's funny. I did not fly on a plane until right after nine 11. It was, it was sometime within the first year right after nine 11. Like I think my first time I ever stepped on a plane was like early 2002, I think. Um, and so in those days you got there early, Mm -hmm. like two plus hours. That was just, and that was the mentality around the first few times I ever flew. So then I kind of got it in my head that that's what flying should look like. Um, and it took me kind of a long time to realize that like, actually that's totally unnecessary most of the time, because like you said, I have missed flights. I've missed a couple of flights, but it never was. It was never because I got there, you know, an hour and a half ahead instead of two. It was because something weird happened. Like, like, um, one time I was in a, I was on a bus in New York to, I think, I think it was LaGuardia and I got on the shuttle bus and then like the bus driver just never showed up. (laughs) And so by the time the rest of the passengers and I figured it out, we had to like change to a different bus. And we were all late, like really, really late. But what are you going to do? It was 45 minutes from the air. There was yeah. no way to speed that up. And I right. had no other transportation. Right. So something fluky like that, I couldn't have planned around sure. that really. Um, so uh, now I would say more like 90 minutes. But here's the thing. If it's the afternoon, I love killing time in an airport. Mm-hmm. Love it. I love to have like a leisurely lunch with a cocktail. Like I just, I like to sit and people watch. I like to like go, if it's a nice airport, I like to go in the stores. Like I just really like that. So it also depends on the time of day. If it's morning, so say I was flying out of South Bend first thing in the morning, I want to roll up, get on the flight, close my eyes. Like I don't want to kill any time in the airport. And I also know I'm not going to deal with any security issues. It's going to be really fast. So that also changes it. So I guess I would say I'm more leisurely about it than you might think. And I usually get there earlier than I need to. But at the same time, I also am fine making it more like an hour and 15 Um, And here it also, because I'm driving, if I'm going to Chicago, I'm picking up an hour. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so the time difference makes it very confusing at times. Yeah. You have to quadruple check that. Yes. Like, yeah, I will often be like going, okay, so I'll write it down. I'll say, okay, so my flight leaves at 1115 Chicago time and I'll write down um, 1215 and then just try to forget 1115. Right. And then like, it's like my brain can't figure it out sometimes. So that else just adds an interesting little, yeah. little tidbit. Okay. So if you, if all things were equal, um, and I'm assuming, you know, you have the choice here, would you rather like Uber or be dropped off at the airport park in the closest garage? Are you okay with economy lots? And I'll go first on this. I'll just say, I will pay a handsome sum to avoid an economy lot. and. I'll just leave it at that. Like, I know I don't always have the option of getting dropped off. That's kind of a luxury when you're going two hours away. Um, and I, of course, I can't I can't Uber around here. That yeah. wouldn't work at all. So it's usually either in, in South Bend, there's just one big lot. So there really isn't a less economy version. But in Midway, for the difference of, you know, tw- tens of dollars a day, I think the difference is like $50 to park in the garage that's right in the building. Versus I want to say like $15 a yeah. day or something like that for the economy lot. Unless the, unless I'm going to be there like a long time, I usually will pay for that 
that garage parking. It's just so worth it for me to like get on an airport or on an elevator and then step off the elevator and there's the check-in. Yeah. What about you? Well, as you were talking, I was having flashbacks of Phoenix, which is really the last hometown airport I had where I drove to the airport quite a bit and we did it so often with little kids. And it's so funny. We just, I think in our mind, no one would leave their car for multiple days in the garage. And I don't know if that's because Phoenix was prohibitively expensive, but I remember thinking like it wasn't even allowed. I, of course it was allowed. They were just charging you <laughs> they will, a they premium. They take your money. And so yeah. we, and those economy lots at Phoenix are, you know, they're a bus right away and it's hot. And most of my memories involve traveling with a bunch of strollers and little kids. And we're talking about solo travel. So I did it. Um, but in, in the now times, my, like your airport, my airport is really small. Um, and I just avoid LA. I just wouldn't, I would probably take that little bus to LA. So avoid parking at all. Um, yeah. if I was going down I to took that little LA. Bus. It was yeah, it's great. fine. It's the Santa Barbara air yeah. bus is what it's called. And it's like a two hour bus ride and it drops you right at the terminal. So, yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, like if I was at, at Midway say, and I was alone and it was the middle of the summer and it was daytime. So all of those things. Yeah then I probably would use the economy lot because it's not a big deal to stand around on a nice summer day and get on a bus and when you're by yourself. But I have really like cringe inducing memories of trying to get kids and strollers in the snow, standing around waiting for the bus to show up. It's dark. No one will like, I remember being pregnant and having a a toddler and no one would give me their seat. And I don't, I actually don't think I was flying alone, but I think for some reason I was parking and maybe uh-huh. John had the other kids and was checking in the bags or something. For whatever reason, I was just me and a baby. Well, maybe I was flying alone. Now that I think about it, that's possible. And just how much stress that added. And also a lot of time. Sometimes yes. an oh, unpredictable yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. So not my preference. No. And, and now I feel like it may seem luxurious, but I will figure out any other way. Yeah, you've paid, we've paid our dues. It's like sleeping right. on a couch. Like at a certain age, you, right. exactly. you just opt for exactly. paying for your own hotel yeah. room. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, how about um, checking bags versus carrying on and then talk about what kind of bag you use? I know you just got a new one. I pretty recently got new luggage. So um, just talk about all things baggage. Okay. well, when I'm traveling by myself, I actually prefer to carry on if I can. And usually I can because it's just me. I'm not bringing like just because I do like efficiency and I love being able to walk off a plane and just hop in a cab or go to my destination. The the getting luggage after a long flight is like not my favorite. So I would usually carry on and we have a, a set of two me luggage, which has been really worth the cost for us. We have one big one and one carry on and our two me carry on. I'll find a link and I'll link to it. But it's kind of like a Mary Poppins magical bag because people security and flight attendants will always give it us like a like a little side eye. And like they don't believe that it will fit in the overhead <laughs> bin or that it will fit through the um, the conveyor belt. I love that security. you can trick them. Yeah, yeah. but it does. Um, it's just like it's like somehow the very biggest it can be and still fit in an overhead bin. So that's my carry on. And Brian and I share that piece. Of, I mean, we both take it if we're going somewhere. Um, and then I did get a new backpack. Like I'm going to call it like a laptop backpack or a travel backpack for Christmas. And I was so in need. I had nothing 
nothing comfortable to make my way through an airport with for years. Remember how long I was coveting your backpack? Yeah. I just, I was using like tote bags and things like that. That is so unideal too. I know. And, <laughs> like and having it hurts. That's your like shoulder. flipping off your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. And yep. I have a 15 inch MacBook. Like my computer is not lightweight. It's like a beast. And I always bring my computer even on personal trips. So um, the brand is Calpak, C-A-L-P-A-K. And I, I think I found this, like I Googled like best laptop backpacks before Christmas and put this on my Christmas list. I love it. It has so many pockets. Um, I would use this even if it wasn't a work trip, just as my day pack. Um, and it comes in really cute colors. It's um, it's a material that like wipes clean. So it's not the dressiest. It's not like it doesn't look like leather and fancy. It's a little sportier, um, but I have used it just on. I haven't flown with it yet, I don't think. But I have used it in other ways and I just love it. So I'll link to that, too. A good backpack makes such a big difference. They're also easier to get in like when you slide them under the seat in front of you, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to access what's in, in them. Yeah. I found that that was never easy to do with like more like a duffel style or a tote bag. So yeah, um, yeah I've been a big fan of the, of the backpacks for a while. Oh, I have one more really quick thing to say about carry-ons is that I, because I like to tra- uh, carry on when I travel alone, but we almost always check baggage when we're with the family. I have left my suitcase, my carry-on suitcase, like at a restaurant or at a gate so many times oh. because once I'm through security, oh. my my norm is having a carry uh, like a backpack or a purse, but not a suitcase. And so then when I go by myself, I forget that I also have this suitcase. And many, many times I've like walked half a terminal length and realized my suitcase is like back at the restaurant. So not a great track record. That there. is exactly the kind of thing that I would do. <laughs> um, exactly. That's how Clara and I left our coats one time. Right. Yeah. At a California kitchen. And I don't even remember what airport we were in. And I don't remember why we had our coats because usually what I would do, the last thing is put our coats in the suitcase, knowing you won't really need a full, like a winter jacket while you're flying. You know what I mean? And for whatever reason, we still had them on and we left them. Um, So I guess to answer this question, I would love to see myself as one of those like smooth travelers. I remember seeing that movie with George Clooney and Anna Kendrick Kendrick, mm-hmm. where they're like flight attendants, I think, or maybe pilots. I don't remember. They fly a lot. That's all. Or maybe they're just business. They might just be business people that fly a lot. The only thing I remember about this movie is that they, they both were so efficient in the airport and like they, everything was like, they had their um, carry on. And it was like, I remember watching that and thinking, wow, like that's how a real expert travels. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't want to be a real expert when I'm traveling. I want to check my bag and then have my hands free. Mm-hmm. And I want to not have to worry about what you just described, leaving a carry on, because yeah. that's the kind of thing I would do. I also don't want to have to worry about um, making sure that everything that's in my bag is like carry on. Yeah. Able. That takes some practice. It really does. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't want to have to worry about it. Like if I want to throw in at the last minute, like a full size shampoo or something, I don't want to have to be like, Oh, but I can't blah, blah, blah. So I love that. I have a suitcase. That's just mine to do whatever I want with. And then once I check it, I never have to think about it until I get off. And there's something very comforting to me about, even though I know it's not really always in good hands, Yeah, <laughs> at least it's in someone else's hands. Yeah. And I don't have to, you know, worry about it. So um, I did get new luggage late last year because I had been using this terrible suitcase that was just, well, it wasn't terrible when I got it, but I've used it for like a really long time and um, was falling apart. It was, you know, pieces were starting to kind of yeah. like come off of it and um, the zippers had ripped out. So I did a lot of shopping and I ended up getting a 
a coordinating set. I've never had a coordinating set of luggage. So I got a Manos. Um, it's one of those like Instagram friendly brands that are right. very beautiful looking. And I got it in a rust color. Um, so that's the suitcase. Ooh, and then cute. like, a, right yeah. Now. Oh yeah. It's really, I love the way it looks. And then a coordinating backpack and duffel. And so I already had a backpack um, that was great for like round town stuff. And I still use it for that, but it, I never liked, first of all, it's very soft sided and yeah. I didn't feel like it was sturdy enough for travel. I felt weird about, you know, setting my computer down um, or the bag down with my computer in it hard and like kicking it under a seat. It just never felt quite as sturdy as what I wanted. And I wanted something a little bigger with more space for things like an overnight trip. So with a separate sleeve for my laptop yeah. and then still plenty of room to like stash a pair of shoes and an outfit, like something like that. And so it's perfectly big for that. And then I have a coordinating duffel. So there's a suitcase, a duffel, and a backpack. Oh, fun. Um, and I may end up at some point getting a carry-on, maybe. Because I can see the benefit. Yeah. And and the, the maybe 10% of the time, I think, oh, it really would be nice to carry on. So, yeah, I just love it. And it, I haven't actually had a chance to travel. I use the backpack all the time oh, and the duffel great. bag all Super the time. Cute. But I haven't actually traveled anywhere to, to use the suitcase yet. But I'm excited about doing that soon. But like, I've just played with it and it rolls so nice. Like the rolling is just yeah. so smooth and the telescoping handle yeah, is so smooth and, yeah, it and it's not black. So it's good, but it's also not like I didn't have to tie a scarf around yeah. it or whatever to make it stand out. It's just, it's beautiful. So nice. I'm excited. That's exciting. Well, okay. Tell me about um, your security line personality, just like how you behave in the security line. And then as a side note, um, are you digital everything? Do you still print anything out like your boarding pass? I'll go first on this one. Um, I actually like to appear at least very with it in security. I like to have all my stuff out. I like to have Performatively organized. I'm performatively organized. Um, <laughs> some of that's just because I don't want to hold anybody else up. So there's the two in me. But part of it's too is like I want to make it clear I know what I'm doing. Yep. Like I know how this works. And I'll actually get a little thrown off every now and then I'm in a security line where something's different than usual. Mm -hmm. Like today you don't have to take your shoes off right. or like, you know, leave your belt on you dummy or whatever. Like some, some every now and then I feel like just to mess with us, they change some small thing or maybe it's like that airport specific rules or something. Um, and then they kind of bark at you oh. and I want to be like, but I, but I thought I was doing, I was good being extra good. Right. I was right. taking everything yeah. off or I was like putting everything in its own bin. Yeah. And, um, uh, Midway recently changed their bin size. They used to have these really kind of like the bins were almost the size of like a, one of those dish tubs uh -huh. that you can buy at the dollar store. And then they got really big, which is great because it's much more efficient. But now I'm like, do I, am I allowed to layer things? Like, what are, the new, rules? Those, yeah. what are the new rules? Um, so I don't like to be haphazard in security, which might seem out of place because I can be rather haphazard. And then on the haphazard side, there's the fact that I still like paper. I like to have a paper boarding pass. I actually really like to have the ones they print out on that cardstock. Oh, yeah. Like for the machine. But I will print one out at home and that's fine too. But then I'll always lose it. I'll lose it at least once or twice. I just misplaced it. Like I don't know what pocket it's in or did I stick it in my purse? I Something about having to get my phone out and like find the boarding pass on my yeah. phone when I've been using my phone for other things and then hold it just right over yeah. the scanner stresses me out. I don't like doing that. I so there's all of my idiosyncrasies and anxieties. <laughs> yes. I, I will say that the digital, the QR codes and the scanning has, has a learning curve, um, not just because 
you and I are getting on in age, but I just mean like when 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 that started <laughs> on in age. When that oh started goodness. being the norm, it like it did feel stressful to like, oh my gosh, I have to pull up this thing. Where was it? Where's the email? Where's the link? Right. Um now that I have pushed through that learning curve, I prefer all digital. Um I also kind of feel like what's the worst that could happen? They're going to send me over to some other desk and look up my, like if I, if I lost it or something, they're going to kick you out. So I generally (laughs) don't print stuff anymore. And I, I never do when it's just me. If I printed stuff, it might be if the whole family was going to be there. And then I just little like peace of mind. Um, I also like try to, I try not to hold up the line. I try to be efficient. I try to be really friendly in security. I think, I try to be compassionate to people who there's always a few people who have literally never done this before. And it's, you know, or who have a baby in a stroller. Yeah, exactly. So I try to be like in general in the airport, I try to be nicer than average because there's plenty of people being not nice, um, including to the TSA agents and just be a little bit friendly. One funny thing is that because I'm a Californian and I've lived in California and Arizona I almost always am wearing footwear that does not require socks. Like in general, socks for me are for like running shoes, like athletic wear, and then like a very occasional cold winter day. And every single time I have to take my shoes off and I'm like, oh, all these smart people wore socks today. And now I have yeah. feet on disgusting. Feet. Yes. But does it does it help me for next time? No, I never remember to wear socks. I just I, the footwear that I wear just doesn't involve socks so much of the time, 90 yeah. percent of the time. So that's kind of funny. Um, I think that's all I have to say about security. Do you do you dress specifically for security? Like, do you dress specifically in something that is, you know, a sweater, clearly not a coat or like I, I have thought about that before. Like if I wear this hoodie, it might look like a coat and I'll have to take it off. Or if I wear um, these pants, like I have to wear a belt and I don't want to do right. that. Things like that. I yeah. don't think I think about that as much, especially case in point. I never even remember that it's more hygienic to wear socks. So no, I do think right. about travel outfits for other comfort purposes. I think a lot about it, but I don't think security ever enters into my calculation. Well, and because you're kicking off, you know, California shoes, that's very different than me thinking like on a cold day, do I, oh, like make sure that you wear those boots that don't have to be zipped right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. to get on and off or just don't zip them. I've yeah. done that before. I've worn zip up boots and I just left them unzipped because yeah. I don't want to have to like deal yeah. with that while my arms are full. Yeah. So yeah. Um, okay. Well, do you buy snacks and things at the bookstore? Um, and then a related question, do you bring your own travel mug? Do you like get a coffee there and use their paper, like their paper cups? What, what does all that look like for you? Um, I usually buy something really boring at the bookstore. I would buy like a bottle of water and like a kind bar or something like that. Something that in case, like it's a super long flight or in case a delay or something so that I just don't have zero food. So I would buy a boring snack and water. And then I, here's the thing about me. I will get into being a nervous flyer in a little bit later, but I generally am not like super, I'm, I'm a little amped up at the airport. I am a little just on edge and I don't drink a lot of beverages just like in this state. Like I, it's like, I want to get there. I want to, yeah. So I don't state of being, I really don't, I don't, I don't thirst goes away. It's like your body shuts down and you don't feel thirst anymore. It's kind of like for me drinking, like having a coffee or, um, like an iced tea or a glass of wine is for when I have arrived at my destination. It's almost like I suspend all of those activities and I don't really, other than having water, just in case I'm thirsty, I wouldn't bring a, I wouldn't bring a travel mug because I would not be drinking until I am safely at my destination. Drinking anything. I mean, interesting. Yeah. Okay. 
Interesting. Well, um, like you, I always will get a bottle of water and then something like, I don't know, for some reason, a bag of chips, like kettle chips always sounds amazing to me in the middle of a flight. Or I'll get like, um, tr- like trail mix or something like that. Because I typically don't like the snacks that are given out on a flight. And sometimes you can't even buy food depending on what happens or whether that airline even offers good options. So I like to have something rather hearty, uh, especially for a long flight. And then I'll always get a magazine, typically one that I don't read at home. Like I'll get Vanity Fair or Vogue. And funny side story, I was thinking about this Inventing Anna story. We were talking about a little bit earlier, the Anna, is it her Delvey that, um, that's on Netflix? And I haven't seen the show, but I did read the article and I remembered that it was on a plane. Okay. So all I could remember was like, I remember reading about this woman on a plane back in like 2018 or something. And then I was like, so it must have been Vanity Fair. And it was. That's how oh I gosh. found the article that I found and you have that a good I read. Recall for what well, you read. Because I always well, right. But I just remembered being in a place where like, why would I even read that story? It's not yeah. the kind of story I would typically read, like about a social light scammer. Like that's not yeah. usually in my, you know, lineup of reading material. So it felt like an airplane read to me. And then I was like, okay, so if it's an airplane read about a social light scammer, it probably was like Vanity Fair, Vogue, maybe Cosmo. I don't really read Cosmo very often. So probably Vanity Fair or Vogue. So I'll usually get something like that. Like I would never buy those magazines at home, but there's something about flipping through like fashion spreads yep. on a plane that I love, or I'll get, sometimes I'll get things like Fast Company or um, Inc, things like that, but I don't typically buy those at home either, but it's just fun. It's like a fun, different mentality that you get in when you're flying. Um, especially if it's a work trip, then it's tends to like, you know, Inc or Fast Company. Um, and then my mug. So when I think to bring my own, I really like to, I really love, it's almost like a comfort thing for me to get on a plane with a full tea and just to know that at any moment I could have tea. Yeah. <laughs> like I could have so hot you tea. You would have to get it after security. So you would bring the, yeah. you'd bring so the I would bring an through. empty, right. I'd bring an empty through and then I would fill it up in security and I would get it perfectly to my liking. And I, you can't really do that with like, I don't want to fly with a Starbucks cup in my hand right. because you, you can't put them down. Like yeah. they don't, but, a, but a, the Hydro Flask I have completely seals up. I can stick it in my bag. I can tuck it away for takeoff. And then I'll get it out of my bag like two hours later and it's still hot. In fact, sometimes it's too hot and I'll put ice in it when the, I'll ask the, um, the, flight attendants for ice because it's too hot. It stays hot for so long. So I just, for me, like that's when I'm really prepared and it's going to be like a leisurely flight day where I'm going to be in the plane for like three and a half to four hours. And I want to be, I want all of my creature comforts. Yeah. It's smart. It's like, yeah, it's like me and my Vogue and my Hydro Flask. Yeah. It it is smart because I mean, I'm a coffee drinker usually, but airplane coffee itself is terrible. And I do think that would be comforting to me. But for some reason, I don't do it. Yeah. Also, to be clear, we were discussing inventing Anna before we recorded in case people yeah. were confused. Were we? Oh, right. Sorry. Not <laughs> okay. before like in this episode, but before we even started recording. You were all there. Yes. Listeners remember when we were talking remember about when that? We talked about that? <laughs> You're like, no. Um, the other thing is that I think is I've always found kind of amusement in those articles about like how to travel with your facial spray, like, like the ones that would be for like in a fashion magazine. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with your um, hydrating facial spray and your eye mask and all that. But I could, I could actually see myself developing into someone who has like a whole thing, like a whole ritual that happens on the plane as I get older. Because I do think, I do think things like 
you know, like your skin getting dehydrated and Mm -hmm. things like that when you fly, it just becomes more noticeable the older you get. And so I could see me being that kind of obnoxious girl in the seat next to you with the special eye pillow and the the rose water mist pressure socks like um yes like what are they what are they called the the socks that um compression compression? yeah yeah yes perhaps perhaps i'll get to that point (laughs) when the varicose veins start yeah okay well one more question before we go to break um do you when you're there you're all through security do you go right to your gate and wait do you kill time in the airport bar and then run like crazy when boarding it is announced I, i mean where are you in that spectrum I like to be in the vicinity. So I, I usually walk right to my gate so that I know where it is and kind of confirm on the board, right? That like, because they, right. they will make those last minute changes or you can get confused. So I'm going to go to the right terminal and the right section and confirm that I know where I'm boarding. And then I might wander a little bit in the vicinity. But honestly, most likely, again, with the kind of suspended animation, I'm just really ready to get all this over with. So I'm most likely just going to park at the gate. And kind of keep an ear open for the boarding calls and stuff like that. There's, I there would have to be something pretty exciting for me to go do, and likely yeah. I've not planned for that. Well, it might not be surprising to you <laughs> that I like to settle in. If I have if I have more than ten minutes, nah, that's too little. So I fly Southwest a lot, and in Southwest you start lining up at around thirty minutes before your flight takes off. Sometimes it's a little later if they're back, you know, if they're behind. Um, and I try to get a boarding or B boarding at the very latest. So that means I kind of need to be there like 30 minutes before. So if I have like an extra 20 minutes or more on top of that, I will absolutely go park myself someplace and eat, maybe have a drink. Um, sometimes it works out that I can position myself to actually see the gate. Like I can see the people lining up or not. Um, some airports are great about having multiple places that you can check and see. And if that's the case, I just settle in especially if I've done the thing where I got there really early on purpose mm-hmm. and I'm like, now I'm in airport time. I'm like people watching and just relaxing. I might read, I might work. Like I will really relax. And one time in the South Bend International Airport, <laughs> I did that. And first of all, I didn't realize that the flight that I was, it was like one of those kind of economy airlines. They board super duper early, like really, really early. And there are no announcements made in the terminal. Um, I could, there's like an, a, there's an, a loudspeaker and I heard things happening over the loudspeaker. So I thought they would say like, we're boarding now or something right. like that. That didn't happen. They never, and I would have heard it cause I was right next to it. So I'm just sitting there, do 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 like enjoying a sandwich or something. And this woman walks by and she's like, you better pay attention. They will leave you. And I, I didn't realize like she was talking to me. Uh-huh. I was kind of looking around like, is she talking to me? Cause I still had like an hour before my flight took off. So I thought I had all the time in yeah. the world. And then I hear my name <gasps> over the loudspeaker. And then I'm like, what? Like, I'm not even, we're not even close. So I come out and it's like, there's just like one big room, but the terminal or, but the gate is like way at the end of the room, <laughs> like super, super, like the length of a half of a football field. Okay. And so I start walking at a clip, but I'm not running. And the woman who's like checking, I don't even know what, like the, would it be the um like a boarding pass? The boarding person, person who's taking mm-hmm. the pass. She yells, "You better run!" <laughs> or no, what did she say? She said, "You can run." She's like, "You can run," and I so I ran. I ran around all the way there, and then I still got on the flight. I got in my seat like forty five minutes before we took off, and I just remember thinking, "What were you gonna do? Like leave me there?" That's so it's, bizarre. We have so much time. 
But they boarded, um, I think it was like they just wanted to board everyone because then I guess if they get everyone on the plane early, they can shut the doors yeah. and get in queue. So I get it, I guess. It just felt a little extra to yeah, me. Yeah, that is a little extra. Um, it's so funny. And after that, I took it much more seriously. But um, <laughs> I, I but yeah, would. I was I was there so early and then I still almost got left behind because I just wasn't on top of it enough. So um, I'm still a relaxer, but now I keep one eye on that, yeah. on whatever it is I have to watch. Yeah to not get in trouble. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Sarah. So we've gotten through all of the leisurely security situation or leisurely, sorry, uh, very efficient security, leisurely airline airport stuff, um, at least in my case. So let's talk about how we are if we're actually on the plane. So to back up a little bit, because some of this decision-making happens before you get on the plane, people aren't fighting over windows and aisles in the aisle typically, but are you, will you, I don't know, go out of your way to get like a window versus an aisle seat or either one of those versus a middle seat. Some places you have to actually choose the ticket or choose that seat ahead of time. Sometimes like with Southwest, you get the early bird check-in and then you, you hope to get, you have to get the seating of your choice. Um, and actually would you even pay for that? So I would say that 
aisle if possible on a longer flight. So I like windows, but if it's going to be more than two hours, I really don't like to climb over people. Yeah. Um, so I'll take the aisle usually just out of convenience and I don't spend that much time looking out the window on my flight anyway. And yes, if it's the kind of situation where you have to pay for that, I typically will pay for that. I, it's not like a, a deal breaker. There have been plenty of times I've wound up in a middle seat and it's not that big of a deal, but I would just really rather not. How about you? Well, I don't fly Southwest very often, although I always like it. Nothing against it, but just where I live and what's available. So I'm always choosing my seat when I book the ticket. So there's no vying or like game time. Don't you, do you ever have to pay for that ahead of time, though? Because sometimes like even United, I think you have to pay a little extra or American. It might be to that way now. I, I usually when I book, I'm usually doing I am not doing the like economy basic basic because uh, I've right. gotten burned a couple of times. So I will do the next, it's not business class or anything like that, but it's like economy plus it's the one that allows you to make changes without like gotcha. giving over your first child and yeah. The end book and book your seat in advance. So yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I okay. haven't flown very much in the last couple of years, but um, typically I would uh, a window. I prefer window seats. And, and okay. to your point about climbing over people, even on a four or five hour flight, I'm probably only going to get up to pee once because as we've well, established, since your bodily functions yeah, have shut down, I'm not drinking. <laughs> You're not very drinking much. anything. And I don't mind. I don't mind um, asking people to get up like once. I feel like that's a, I feel like everyone gets like a one free pass for a flight. If you're doing yeah. it six times or something, then I might reconsider. But I, because of my flying anxiety, the window is the place where I feel calmest. So I okay. always prefer window. Well, what do you actually, and you just kind of answered part of this question for me. I was going to say, are you nervous? Um, and what do you actually do on takeoff? Uh, yes, I am nervous, but I am no more nervous at takeoff. I'm just nervous the whole time. Um, I, I was afraid of flying when I was in my early 20s until I had kids. I think I've said this on the show before. Yeah. And then I went through a phase that I wasn't. And then I had a really bad turbulence flight about four years ago, probably. And so, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, I'm just generally nervous the whole time. I, I can't read or focus on anything like but that's the hard part is because I'm like my whole brain is focused on like calming itself down, which is why like I don't buy magazines that much anymore. I don't rent movies. I just make it through. Um, so mm. I don't do anything special on takeoff. But yeah, I'm I'm pretty Brian and I like joke nicely that like it's my job to keep the plane in the air because that's what <laughs> an anxious brain feels like it's doing. Like if I, if I look out the window enough and if I think about this enough, I'm actually like somehow affecting the outcome. It's an illusion uh. of control. Right. So it feels very busy in my head when I fly. I don't have panic attacks or anything like that. I don't, I don't take medication. I just, it's just uncomfortably nervous like the whole time. Okay. Well, I, I used to be a very nervous flyer. Um, my first flight was actually much easier than I thought. And then in my like second flight, for no reason, I just got it in my head that I was going to be very anxious. And I was for, like, I would say that when I was on the verge of tears the whole flight. Um, but then over the years, I think just doing it so much, so routinely, it went away. And now I'm at the point where like, I don't know, I used to have my whole routine that I felt like would help ward off my nerves. So I wasn't thinking about like keeping the plane in the air. It was more like, <laughs> here are all the things I need to do so that I don't feel nervous. And one of them was I always listened to the same album. I always like read um, the in-flight magazine. Like I always, I just had like this little routine yeah. to block the world out and kind of just go in my own little bubble until we were in like, you know, up in the air and the, um, the lights were off mm -hmm. and whatever, you know, the smoking light was back on, I guess. Um, 
And now I just kind of sit with my eyes closed because I want my computer back out. Like I don't, I'm not nervous. So I just want to get that part done. Yeah. So that I can move on to the next thing, which for me would be settling in and working or, you know, really reading, like doing some real reading, which I don't do on takeoff usually just because I don't know, like if I'm going to read like a book, I just wait until we're in the sky. I don't know why. No real reason. Yeah. Occasionally I'll close my eyes and try to nap. I'm, um, if I'm going to get real sleepy, it tends, tends to happen in those first few minutes, like mm -hmm. when they turn on the fans and everything else. So, and the cabin is depressurizing and all that. So, um, or pressurizing, whatever the thing is that's happening. Um, sometimes I will actually close my eyes and take a brief nap on takeoff, which is, I can't believe I'm able to do yeah. that now. Um, it, that did not used to be in the cards for me. So a little side question, do you get the Wi-Fi? And I'll answer this one almost always. Yeah. How about you? Almost never. Um, because it's I thought that about so you. frustrating when it doesn't work very well. Right. And I get deep satisfaction about finding, uh, ways to work. If I am on a longer flight and I've calmed my nerves and we're just cruising along, I love finding things to work on that don't require Wi-Fi. I'll clean my desktop. I'll like mm -hmm. organize my digital files. I'll like, uh, work on a writing project or something. So I usually have a plan for something to work on that doesn't require Wi-Fi because it's so frustrating to me to have Wi-Fi that like is intermittent really or doesn't work. Yeah. And it's, it's quite expensive. So I have, especially on longer work flights where I can kind of justify the expense, but I don't usually. So for me, if I'm, if I'm, if I have the wherewithal ahead of time, and typically this is the kind of thing I'm doing in the airport during that leisurely sandwich, um, because I got there so early, I'll be like downloading or I'll be setting some of my Google docs to yeah. offline access yeah. and I'll, I'll make sure I have a few things open that I can work on. And if I have the wherewithal to do that, I also really enjoy that. I'm being like, ha ha ha, I'm not paying eight bucks. Right. I'm gonna, yeah. Oh, and, and now there's more options. So it used to be you just had internet or nothing. And now it's like, I think texting is free on some planes yeah. and like, or well, you can pay a dollar to just get access to one kind of thing. And with streaming, if you if you want Wi-Fi for entertainment, there's a lot of like free streaming on planes yeah. now. If you haven't flown yeah. for a while, the entertainment options are, I, it's much better. It's I think much yeah, more like it's, it's yeah. much more personal device centric. Like it used to be like yeah. the little movie that played on the seat in front of you or something. And now they've figured out that like, no, you want to watch on your personal device and, and right. there's usually a way to do that. So I'm going to guess the answer for you is no. Um, but do you ever sleep on the plane? Um, only if I'm really, really exhausted from something or I've gotten up really early. Um, and then, and then I will doze if, if I can get to that place, usually on a longer flight and almost always on the way home, I'm yeah. tired. And yeah, I, I love to be able to sleep on a flight, but I have to be, I have to be very sleep deprived. I can't, I'm not right. just going to fall asleep spontaneously on a flight. Do you have like any special like, accoutrement, like no. a pillow or. So I, I actually got online, I got this thing. Cause I used to have one of those travel pillows that you buy and yeah. you know, they're like shaped like a C or a U mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and I just found them kind of bulky and hard to carry around and it didn't really do what I needed it to do. Um, but in general, I would love to sleep longer on a plane. About 10 to 20 minutes is usually all I can get because I, what I'll do is I, I put my backpack in my lap and then I layer like a coat on top of it and I like squish my arms under the coat or the sweater mm -hmm. to make like a little pillow. And then I just flop forward and I can stay like that for about five minutes. I could turn my head to one side for like 10 minutes. I could mm -hmm. turn my head to the other side for 10 minutes and then I'm done. It hurts. So I got fed on Instagram oh, I this know. thing that like wraps around your neck. Do you know I what I'm talking about? I think I have seen this. Or maybe you sent me a picture. 
We'll have to link it up. It looks like the kind of thing you would get if you'd been in a car accident and like you needed to keep your neck still. Like that's what it looks like. I haven't had a chance to use it on a flight, but I think it would take care of that floppy head neck issue. Uh So I'm kind of excited to try it out. Um, To my preference for the window, when you are sitting at the window, you have a hard surface to your left or right. And so like a sweater or like your, you know, your coat or something like that can pretty comfortably set up like a, a natural leaning to, to yes. one side. Um, and I have made use of that for sure. I, I have that is sometimes if I know that it's going to be like a longer flight where I want to sleep, I have that moment where I'm like, oh, do I want the aisle, yeah. the bathroom or do I want the window for my head? And the other thing I've been able to do is if if one seat is just ever so slightly reclined and we're not going to talk about reclining or not on this, on this episode, cause Too I don't want to get, I don't want to get hate mail. Um, but like if one is just ever so reclined and the next one isn't, you can kind of lean your head against the not reclined yeah. seat mm-hmm. next yeah. to you. The problem is if you have neighbors, that gets a little weird. Yeah. So, all right. So we're on the plane. Maybe we're past t- uh, takeoff. You know, we've done whatever we have to do to get through that. Are you a talker? Do you talk to your neighbors? Do you pop in your earbuds? I mean, what do you think I am? Probably not a talker. I'm not not a talker. I'm not either. I don't talk to people. I mean, I'll smile at them. Yeah. If they're very interesting. There have been times in the past, like I've gotten in a conversation with the person next to me for some reason, but most of the time I'm in, I'm an ignore. Like I'm a, I'm in my space. Let's pretend we don't exist to each other. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, travel has gotten increasingly stressful, expensive, yeah. unfamiliar. Um, the, the industry's under a lot of stress. And so I just find even friendly people who I assume are good people, everyone's a little on edge. Um, yeah. And I I general I think my worst fear would be to strike up a casual light conversation with somebody yeah. and then have it turn into like something I can't get out of. Which is why yeah. if you notice, everyone starts <laughs> chatting with their neighbor like on the descent because, you know, there's an yeah. end, right? You know, if there's yeah, 10 or so 12 true. or 20 minutes left in the flight, no matter how south this conversation goes, you're, it's going to end. Whereas at the beginning of a three and a half or four hour flight, I really have no interest. Yeah, I'm friendly and cordial, um, but I, I, I think I give off a pretty strong body language vibe that I'm not here. That you're not here for that. <laughs> yeah. And I also think at the end of the flight, it's like everyone's kind of like collectively relieved. Like we did it. Even Agreed. if you're not a nervous flyer, yeah. it's like, okay, we did it. We're on our way. Like not lo- no matter how this ends, it's almost over. Yep. So um yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And and also the last few times I've flown, or the last two times, I've had a mask on. So Great. that also completely yeah. killed talking. Yeah. So um, this is kind of a funny question, and you kind of already answered this one but I'll, I'll answer it for myself. And that is like, you use the bathroom on the plane or try to wait. And I guess for you, knowing that you don't actually drink fluids before, what I would say is, are are you averse to using the bathroom on the plane? Not at all. And I'd probably do it like strategically because I always want to time it. I don't want to get to the point where I've got like really have to pee really bad. That's so uncomfortable. And and then the seatbelt sign on or you're in turbulence or whatever, your neighbor's napping or whatever. So I, I would probably get up to use the bathroom and I'm not opposed to airport or airplane bathrooms. Um, and I'm probably strategic about when I get up so that it's like, I'm preemptively going to the bathroom so that I don't get stuck with a full bladder. Yep. I do the same. Like I want the minute there's like a, you know, the, the bathroom light 
lights up yep. and there's a vacancy, I will go use the bathroom whether I have to or right. not, just like I tell my kids to do. Yeah. I actually get a kick out of using the bathroom on the plane. It's kind of like, I feel like I'm getting away with something. Like I'm doubling up activities <laughs> somehow. It's like a game. Like, I don't know. Look at me. I'm both, you know, answering the call of nature and eliminating waste for my body. And I'm getting somewhere in the sky, in the sky at the same exact time. So I actually will get like a real kick out of drinking a lot of water and then having to go to the bathroom multiple oh times on a flight. That is I don't know so why. So funny. But, you know, <laughs> it reminds me, you know what I used to do when I um, lived abroad my junior year of college and I was trying and, and I went to college, you know, like a long flight from my home. So I just I went on a lot of long flights in college and I started bringing makeup in the so I'd, I'd have an early morning flight and I'd get on with no makeup like looking like I just rolled out of bed and I would get that same kind of satisfaction out of bringing some mascara and a little bit of something um, on the plane and then the last like available time to go to the bathroom like in the last hour of the flight and these were like 10 and 12 hour flights sometimes overseas yeah. I would like do a little like light face of makeup in the bathroom and feel like that same like I'm now I am emerging looking like a new person and I'm going to get off in a different country and here we go right I love it. Magical. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, we talked a little bit about like what we actually do in the plane as far as like not talking to other people that's off the table and you know, the kind of work you might do, but what about leisure, Um, leisure activities? I'll go first on this one. I, I like to have like, I like to stay very busy on a plane. I like to kind of rotate through a variety of pre-planned activities. Um, that kind of span the whole gamut of work and fun. So I'll have like my magazine, my Kindle, I'll have some fun work, which might be like creative planning that it typically is happening in a, in a notebook, yeah. right? So things I'm writing down, I like to have my snack. I like to get my drink from the, um, from the flight attendants when they come around. I like to listen to certain music, but I hardly ever watch TV or movies. And it's interesting because there really are some good choices, but for me, it's usually not stuff I would watch at home. And it's weird to take myself out of the mode that I'm in and just like, it just doesn't occur to me to like add random TV or movie viewing, even though it's free. So I don't do that almost ever. I I don't either. And I think it's more because I have a focus problem because of the anxiety. So for me on an airplane, time passes very, very slowly because I am in that anxiety state. So I have to do things that don't require a lot of like, Focus is the wrong word because there are certain types of work that I so I edit the podcast like audio editing is a great thing for me to do on a plane. It doesn't require Wi-Fi. I know how to do it. It's like both uh, productive, but it's very familiar. It doesn't require like new creative thinking. Um, And I can easily like pause. And like for me, if the plane starts to have turbulence, I have to stop what I'm doing and just like do nothing like so. I Yeah. Um. But leisure, I do like a magazine article. That would be one. I will have earbuds in and I would listen to podcasts. So um, listening to podcasts, work, occasional magazine article. I also do not watch uh, screen entertainment, streaming entertainment, hardly ever. Do you read the in-flight? Yeah, often I do. Yeah. Pretty good. Do you work the uh, the um, crossword? It's always, someone's always gotten there before yeah. me. And I, I'm not like a huge crossword. I mean, I'll do a crossword, but it's not... I, yeah, no, I do not. Yeah, I have before when it's empty, but like that's one of those things I would only ever do on a plane. So something feels kind of special about yeah. it, but I get I get bored about halfway through and yeah. or I just can't figure one out. And then I'm like, I rage quit. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> so I ruin it for the next person, essentially, without even finishing it's it like myself. Rips in the paper, crossing <laughs> it out. <laughs> All right. Well, we're almost there. Now we've landed. So, Sarah, the flight's almost over. What a relief, right? Yeah, I'm so now excited. We're on- okay. Yeah. We're on the ground. We're on the oh, ground. Ew. What are you? <laughs> What are you doing now? Are you like the person who's busily like putting everything away because you didn't do that on the flight? Or are you standing up or you wait for your road to clear? Like, what's your behavior like now that we're on the ground and I, um, we're we're allowed to take our seatbelts off? I mean, I'm probably on the Internet because I didn't buy Wi-Fi. So I'm probably right. it's more phone. Like I'm looking at my emails, my texts, my Instagram. Like I am that person who is deprived of like, you know, digital connection for two and a half hours. Um, and I'm very happy that we're safely on the ground and I'm probably like communicating with whoever I'm going to see next and telling people I landed safely. I'm like doing all that kind of stuff. I, I won't have spread out very much because like I said, I don't do very much. I like kind of sit there like a scared little rabbit for four hours. And then I just kind of wait. I'm not in a big hurry to get off the plane. I wait for people to like get their, you know, what together and then file out accordingly. Yeah. I am like. So I will have done all of the preparatory stuff in the last, you know, before they tell you to, um, that like everything has to go away. Like that stuff, I'm like kind of tidying and getting everything ready. And I like to have everything put away except my phone in my hand. So I'll do a quick check of everything, but I'm usually doing that while we're taxiing anyway. Mm -hmm. And then I stand up right away. Like the minute those doors open, I stand up and then I'm always annoyed with myself. Like I'm not obnoxious about it. I'm not like pushing people out of the way or huffing and puffing, I just stand up and then I'm doing that thing where my head is like bent. Yeah. But then you feel stupid sitting back down because like, <laughs> why'd you stand up in the first place? So I just try to make the most of it, like standing there with my head totally at an angle. Um, and I just I'm just ready to not be sitting at that point. Yeah. I don't actually have to move. I don't I'm very happy to wait till everyone in front of me clears out. I'm not in a rush. I'm not pushy. But I just don't want to sit anymore. I'm yeah. ready to now be ready for the next thing. Like I'm transitioning into the next phase of my journey. So um, that's typically you'll find me standing with my head cocked off to the side that waiting. So yeah. <laughs> well, this has been really fun. Um, it's like it was fun because I know we've been doing so much travel content lately, but it's just fun to talk about how that looks for us in our little, you know, solo travel worlds, which don't happen that often. But I'm looking forward to maybe them coming back a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. I, it's like I know in a month or so we're going to do an episode about like weird pandemic time warps, but I'm just reflecting on you would think I would even have a clear picture of the number of times I've flown since COVID, for example. And I think it's three once by myself, yeah. once with my family and once with a friend to go to another friend's 40th all like in 20 all in 2021, I think. Yeah. So like June, July and October of 2021, I flew. And already it's getting fuzzy and already I'm like, what do I like to do in the airport? So this is definitely right. making me like, as long as it's safe, want to get back out there and get on planes because it really hasn't been very much in, you know, in the last two years, I think those three times and they were all kind of concentrated in 2021. So I honestly can't. I came out to visit you once or twice. May. Only once. You came to visit me in May. We went to Chicago together in October of both of those in 2021. But you drove to Chicago. You didn't fly there. Right. So, but I feel like I did fly twice during the pandemic, but I honestly could not tell you. Maybe just once, yeah. maybe just once in the last two years. That's, yeah. And I mean, I would have usually flown um, many more times than yeah. that. Let's just oh, put yeah. it that way. Yeah. So uh, probably, probably about a dozen times in two years. So it's really yeah. weird. 
Fingers crossed. Getting back. Fingers out there. crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, we should definitely um, remind people about our travel hub. Yeah, we're calling it our travel family travel hub on themomhour.com. It's themomhour.com slash travel twenty two, and it's um it's a page that's going to grow as we move through this spring season and closer to summer. So it's kind of a check back often, but we have contributors who are writing really practical things on the blog, like what to pack for a road trip with little kids and like how to stay in a hotel with a baby and like all these kind of questions that we get. And quite frankly, you and I are not equipped to answer anymore on the podcast. So there's a ton of blog content. There's a ton of um, podcast content, both from new stuff we're coming out with this spring, but then also all the times we've talked about travel in the past from the before times. Um, So we will link that up in the show notes. And then I'm excited coming up on Tuesday we polled our listeners and got their single best piece of travel advice for traveling with kids. And the list is exhaustive and very helpful. So you and I are going to be talking through our listeners' best travel advice for traveling families. And that's coming up on Tuesday. That'll be fun. Sounds great. Well, we'll talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.